Hey, you're listening to Ask a Freelancer, episode 12. Ask a Freelancer is brought to you by Cushion, a simple forecasting app for freelancers. Cushion gives you a bird's eye view of your schedule and income so you can plan months ahead and reach your financial goals for the year. Learn more about Cushion at cushionapp.com. Let's get to those questions for today's show. Now remember, these are your questions that you sent to at app on Twitter, and somehow we captured live recordings of you asking those questions. Don't ask us how, just listen to the questions. What did your first year look like? How long did it take before you thought, yeah, I made the right choice? So this first question is, what did your first year look like? And how long did it take before you thought, yeah, I made the right choice? Okay, so (laughs) I wanna just uh, do some real talk for a minute and talk about how my first foray into freelance was started, well, it started great and it went completely terrible. Uh, So when I first graduated college, I got a part-time in-house graphic design job for a few days a week. And then I started freelancing and illustration right away. And I got really lucky. Um, Just a few months after I graduated, I had my first job. I did a freelance job for Sony with an ad agency. It was a super cool job. I did some magazine work. And every month I made a little bit more money than I did the month before. And that kind of went on for like a year to where I just steadily was making a little bit more, a little bit more. I got, in that time, I got to work with Converse on a super cool job. I, it all kind of culminated about a year after I graduated, I did this big ad agency job with Starburst and made a little chunk of change. And with that, I decided that I was gonna quit my part-time job and I was gonna move back to the States because I was living in the UK. I went to school there. I met my wife there, she's British. We had a baby and we had this Starburst job and it was like the moment. It was like, yes, it's time to go full on freelance, move back to the US and make it happen. And so we used that money to move back. And uh, what I didn't really understand was how real the recession was. And also, (laughs) I didn't understand how, you know, you had to keep planting seeds to get that work to continue to come in. And so I wasn't really hitting marketing very hard. And that kind of beginner's luck, new blood in the industry, that that excitement was starting to disappear and the jobs started to disappear as well. And so here I am, we use that money to move back to the States. I'm full on freelance and the jobs just completely dry up. And I mean completely, like for several months, no work. And I wanna just be completely honest with you. I was lit, there were literally times This is like 2010 when I'm laid on my living room floor in real panic, like face down on the floor, like gut wrenching. I don't know how I'm going to make rent. And my dreams have crashed and burned. 
And so that was my first year of freelance. And I ended up having to get another job. I didn't want to go get another part-time graphic design job. I was kind of fed up with that. I was kind of fed up completely with freelancing. I took down my website. Uh, I really did kind of pack it in and give up. I went and got a part-time job at a youth shelter and kind of gathered myself and picked myself back up. After a few months of working there, I relaunched my site, started hitting marketing and business podcasts and books really hard, came up with some new strategies, made tons and tons of personal work, and then about nine months after that, went back into freelance. But this time, I'd also wrangled up some local design, uh, freelance design gigs that were on retainer. I started teaching a class at a local college and I had some steady cash flow and just a better head on my shoulders. And so I just want to tell you that story because I think it can just feel really good in terms of solidarity just to hear someone talk about their failures and talk about how freelance can be a roller coaster especially that first year out, but I learned so many lessons and I've never been back to that place. There's still ups and downs, but things have been pretty, pretty good since that time. Now, this question of, the second part of the question where you're saying, uh, how long did it take before I thought, yeah, I made the right choice. So that was, that was 2010. Uh, at the end of 2010 is when I quit that job. And I would say, I don't feel like I really knew that I'd made the right decision for another two years or so. And here's how I finally knew that I'd made the right decision. It was this idea when there was no other job in the world that I could have been offered that I would take. And here's the reason. It wasn't because I was making millions. It wasn't because uh, everything in my life was phenomenal and everything was perfect and freelance dream and the freelance dream was just rocking it. No, it wasn't that at all. It was more like it might have not been the fanciest suit, but it was completely custom tailored to me. There was no way I could ever make the amount of money I make uh, today doing freelance, doing the types of things that I love as much as what I'm doing as a freelancer for uh, an employer. And at some point, that idea of maybe I should just go get a job started to dissolve because I would go look at jobs and I thought, there's just nothing out there. Everything out there is like uh, one of those suburban cookie cutter houses that doesn't have uh, all the quirks and everything that I need. And this work that I've created and crafted this career as a freelancer, I've taken this vast land and just every year carved out new spaces and built new structures so that it perfectly fits my personality, my strengths, my workflow, my motivation, um, my energy level, my lifestyle. And there's still, again, there's still quirks, there's still problems, but that's the power of a great freelance career. And I think that's what you should be shooting for. 
because there's fancier suits. There's more expensive ones out there. There's fancier, you know, mini mansions that you could buy, but they're not custom fit. And that's the power of freelance. What are some strategies for entering new markets when your existing clientele and reputation are for another market? So the second question is, what are some strategies for entering new markets when your existing clientele and reputation are for another market? Okay, so what do you do when you want to break into a different market? You want to pivot your career somewhat into new markets? This is, I have a two-part plan for this, and it's something that I do over and over and over because I like change. I like to pivot. My, my freelance business has gone through tons of pivoting. Uh, every year, I would say I, I do a, at least somewhat of a pivot um, from one market to another or a different part of the market, a different niche within the market. And so uh, here's what I do. The first thing you got to do is write your own role. You got to prove it. You, if you're doing rom-com after rom-com after rom-com, no, it takes an incredibly gifted fairy godmother of a director to notice that you have some secret potential that's untapped. Like it's rare, it's like winning the lottery. And if you want to get into a new market, you can't wait for someone to recognize that you have that potential. You really have to write your own movie and, and finance it and make it happen and it better be good. And then you can prove that you'd belong in that market. And so what I do when I notice like I would like to go from being purely just an illustrator to someone who speaks at conferences. Nobody was inviting me to speak at conferences, but I really wanted to do it. I started a podcast where I basically did conference talks on a weekly basis. And so the, so I just wrote my own talks, put it out there as a personal project. And the second step that I did was I did the Forrest Gump thing. The Forrest Gump thing, this is the Forrest Gump effect that I always talk about, is that you don't just make one piece of work that shows that you can exist in this market, that will absolutely be washed over in the noise that is the internet. You have to take it one step further. Nobody notices a dude who jogs around the block. Nobody's like looking out their window like, what's he up to? Nobody cares, right? But if you jog to the other side of the country, you don't even have to make much of much of a, a, a spectacle of it. You just jog to the other side of the country. People are going to start to take notice and they're going to be like, I think this guy has the answer to world peace. That's the Forrest Gump effect. And so what I say, don't just prove it once, prove it 50 times in a row. Make a giant body of work that makes it so clear that you're right for that market. Because for me, nothing is more difficult in your freelancing career than breaking into a new market. But once you do it, the advantages are just phenomenal. And I love the idea that although it is difficult to break into a new market, it's actually doable. And I think if you prove it, you write your own role, and then you Forrest Gump it, uh, <laughs> Forrest Gump it, I like Forrest Gump as a verb, you, people will start to take notice. You can put special parts on your website dedicated to that, spell it out in big, bold letters. I am in this new market. I do this for a living. And people will start giving you those opportunities because you got to bash them over the head. Like it takes an incredibly uh, sensitive 
uh, unusual director to notice that Jim Carrey has eternal sunshine in him, an introverted, uh, creative, neurotic guy. Like he never plays an introvert. He never plays the quiet dude, the melancholy quiet dude. It takes a very particular director and those only happen to one in a million. And so instead of waiting for somebody to see that potential, write your own role and then write it again and again and again and again until everyone's like, I think that guy's doing something. How do you move from per project fees to a retainer model with larger clients? Okay, so this last question is, how do you move from per project fees to a retainer model with larger clients? Okay, retainer can be incredibly important for freelancers. This idea of getting regular income is so essential to your cash flow. We talk about it all the time. So how do you actually do that? So I've done this a few times in my career, uh, especially early on when I things were a bit wild and crazy. I talked about earlier in this episode that I had some local uh, design work on the side that I had on retainer. And the way that you've got to do this, I think first of all, you need to understand that only certain types of uh, relationships have the possibility of being a retainer relationship. And I think you got to think about it like subscription versus surprise. And you got to ask yourself, are there services that I'm delivering to people that would be more ideal for them as a subscription than a surprise? Because when you get coffee every day that you wake up, a lot of people are fine with the same coffee. They don't actually want a surprise. They want to know that this is the thing that's going to get the done the job done right. And it's going to be the same every morning. And I think a subscription uh, situation, you can, for instance, if you're into cold brew, you can go on Amazon and, and order this box of organic cold brew and it can be sent to your house every single month on a subscription. No surprise. Now, on the other hand, if you're going out to eat on a Friday night, you probably want a surprise. You don't want to go to the same restaurant every single time because it's a treat. And so I think you need to ask yourself, like if you're an editorial illustrator, a lot of magazines, unless it's a regular feature in the magazine where they're trying to create some brand consistency, they probably want to use people uh, more sporadically. They probably want to freshen up every issue so that it's surprising to the audience. So there's an, uh, a newness every issue that they make. Whereas if you're dealing with someone's website every single month, you're helping them create content for their website. You're helping them uh, design new features. You're helping them update different things. If you're providing that kind of service, it's actually in their favor that they've got you on lockdown. And there's this, uh, there's this concept by marketer Seth Godin that I think really applies here. It's called the linchpin. He did a whole book about it. This idea that you might not be the boss, but you're indispensable. And for me, those retainer uh, situations really popped up when it was really inconvenient for them to lose me. Like they, the linchpin idea is that you are indispensable and when I had created these systems for, the, for them, these brochures, these website features, and I knew how they worked and it was 
easy to just keep me doing those same things month in, month in and month out. That's where the ball was all of a sudden in my court to suggest, hey, this might be easier for you just to keep me on retainer, come up with an agreement on what that means, like how much work you're gonna be giving for what price. And I think also offering some kind of discount within that is a great leverage point because when, you know, when you're, uh, when you're ordering something on subscription, you're expecting to pay a little bit less. That's part of the negotiation. And so my suggestion is before you run out there and try to make uh, all of your clients on retainer to benefit you, you got to ask yourself, which of these situations are more like a subscription and less like a surprise? And then which of them can I leverage my uh, position as a linchpin, as being indispensable, as being a massive headache if I disappear? If Which of these situations can I leverage that position? That concludes another episode of Ask a Freelancer. Don't forget to check out Cushion at CushionApp.com. I'm your host, Andy J. Miller. You can find my illustration portfolio and my other podcast, Creative Pep Talk, at www.andyj.pizza. Thanks to Nate Utesh and his band, Metavari, for the tunes. You can listen to more at soundcloud.com slash Metavari. Send us your freelance questions on Twitter at CushionApp, and it may just be answered in our next episode.